Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. I am here with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Millicent, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing awesome. Just uh, finished seeing some patients and uh, doing some surgery. We had a pretty unique surgery today. We did. It was a good one. Very unusual to be doing uh, some facial trauma of that level in the Roxbury Clinic and Surgery Center. However... Usually it's done in a hospital setting, but it went well. It went really well. Yeah, it went great. So today... We were going to talk a little bit about implant choices. We're, we're going to stay on our, our breast topics here. Breast implant choice, how you choose an implant for your patient, tons of factors. Tell yes. me from your standpoint, when you see a woman who says, I want breast augmentation, how do you proceed? What's your first sort of like out of the gates questions? My first questions are pretty basic standard medical questions. I need to get a thorough background of her medical history, make sure she's an appropriate medical candidate. We go through any breast cancer risk factors she has that might play into effect. And once you've sort of gotten the basic background information covered, then I start going into the specifics of her breast what size she currently is, what kind of breast history she has, has she had children, has she breastfed, has she lost weight, gained weight, and then I kind of go into what her ideal breast would be. Does she want to just be more lifted? Does she want a lot of volume? Does she want natural volume, a more augmented artificial appearance? I kind of decide and and determine what she wants based on what she tells me. So there's a, yeah, there's a battery of uh, information, like a ton of questions you have to ask to get to that, because on a lot of these uh, consultations, the patients usually have photographs of what they think right. is going to work for them, right? right? They bring in Always. pictures. Yes. And, and, I, and, I lo- and I love that, actually. I always ask them, I'm sure you brought me pictures, show me what you like. And I think it's a great marker for me to understand what they want, because they may be saying, I want to be a 32D, and in my head, that means something. And then they show me a picture of what they think is a 32D, and I'm like, whoa, that's like a G. That's not a, that's not a <laughs> that's D. That's not a 32D. Yeah, no. I mean, the, so pictures, I, I think, are stuff. very, yeah. very helpful way to start. But then you really have to explain to the patient, you know, not all bodies are the same, not all breasts are the same. So even though you're showing me what you want, it may or may not be realistic for you. Well, there's also, there's no like standard cup size. So like you don't, you can't go to like Washington DC to the, you know, department of standards, weights and measures and find bra size, a cup, B cup, C cup arbitrary it's and, made up. and it's based on each individual brand and company absolutely a 32d at victoria's secret is like a 32b or c at macy's that's right you know it's just very arbitrary i i, I don't know where the sizes truly come from but you know i've i've had some mis miscommunication with patients in the consultation just as you said where they'll tell me oh you know i really want you know to be a you know a double d and, and what they're talking about is kind of like a see in my brain but that's why you got to look at the pictures and and talk about their their body the measurements i like and and i do something that i really think that their height and weight is really key in picking a breast implant because you know you can measure the base width of the breast which like everybody does i think most plastic surgeons measure you know the like you know the midline breast to the lateral to their armpit basically that that sort of distance and says that's the base width mm-hmm. and there's a breast mm-hmm. implant that's sort of fit to that which is what i used to think was most important but now i kind of go by height and weight because i've gotten a feel for you know if, if you're 5'10 
five foot seven and you want to be like a double D, there's an implant that leaps into my head, just like boom. Right. I know what you need to have that. And you know, the base with maybe A B whatever it is, it's fourteen centimeters, thirteen centimeters, twelve centimeters, but there's there's some ballpark that you want to get into right away. So you can start picking the implant that's going to give the patient what they want. You know, these uh I think these women are really clear in their mind of the look sure. that they want, but, but they don't know always, the size. It doesn't always correlate to the size. And I think what you're talking about is really just experience over the years. You get a height and well, a I'm, weight. Well, I'm old, so well, that, I, that helps. I was going to say experience, <laughs> but sure, yeah. <laughs> we can use those terms. I'm old AF. <laughs> That's a special category of old. Your experience. So right. you've done a decent amount of breast implants. So if you see a woman and she's a given height and weight and she's telling you what she wants to look like or she shows you pictures, it's that experience that comes into play of like, that's the implant you need. So I think that you really are taking their base width and their measurements and their sizes, but in your mind, you already have translated it into an implant. Totally. And the profiles, let's talk a little bit about the various profile and, sure. and they're, they're named differently by each company, you know, the mentor corporation versus Allergan versus Sientra. They all have different ways of characterizing the profile of the implant, which is really about the projection of the implant off of the chest wall. Correct. Right. So the profile really means that for any given base width, again, going back to that, if you're thinking of a circle, the circumference or the diameter, I guess, is a better way of saying it, of that implant, how wide it is, given that width, how much silicone or saline can you put into that diameter implant? And so a lower profile implant will have less volume in it than a high profile implant. And it really is just how high off the chest you're going. So someone who might be very small has a very narrow chest, a very narrow base width, a narrow bra size, but they want to be, you know, very large projected augmented. You have to use a high profile or an extra high profile implant because you can't go wider on them. No. It'll make them look wide. It'll make them look fat. You pit. have to go forward <laughs> if you if you want them to have a larger breast size appearance. Right. You've got to look at, I mean, those profiles are key because, you know, that I find that in, I don't even know what you use low profile or moderate profile. I don't know. What, what do you do with that? Is it, is it a pancake imp- impersonator? I mean, I, what, is, what are you doing with those implants other than making fun of them? It's, it, you know, Which is what I do. Every patient has a look that they like, and there are some patients that really want a natural appearing breast. It's just a little bit larger, a little bit more enhanced than what they have. They may not want people to know they've had a breast augmentation. In those patients, a moderate profile, moderate profile. could be considered. That's true. I don't get those patients. I get patients that are like, I want it to be you know, augmented, and I want them to be bigger, and I want you know, people's right. heads to turn when they, you know, it's just... I don't know. It, it seems like I just need 600 CC profiles and that's it. On everybody. Everyone comes in. It's just, it, yeah. I don't know. It's really, but I, I agree. I mean, there are some, I, I had a lot more of that when I was in Pittsburgh since I've been in Beverly Hills. It's it, a regional it's, thing. Yeah, it is. It I really mean, is. Back in Pittsburgh, people would say, oh, I don't want anybody to know. And I just want it for me. And, and you know, they'd be very specific about it. And I'd be like, great. You know, we put in like 225 CC moderate plus or moderate profile gel implant. They'd be totally thrilled. 
I have a colleague who trained in New York back in the 80s, and it was almost malpractice to put in an implant more than 200 cc's back then. Yeah, totally. Standard was 150. You did 200. It was like, whoa. That's crazy. And then he moved out here, and he's like, nobody wants a 200. <laughs> Baseline, 350. No, I mean, my, <laughs> my average implant size here is probably four. 25 or 450 i mean it just I mean, yeah comes with the territory that's what it is and but you know every every patient's different and i and i'd hate to ballpark and say that every patient gets this that's implant. true um it really it is it, regional it, it is regional it's, regional. It's, it's what we get the most requests for because that's more of the look i think people out here are interested in but you do have patients that want that natural smaller look sure and that's when you use the lower profile or the smaller implants and they look great and they love it and and one thing that i talked about in fact when kevin Connolly was on the Dr. Hockey podcast, we were talking about breast implants because I uh, gave him a uh, sample uh, as a um, stress reliever for the traffic in oh, LA. They really are. They're so uh, fun they, to they squeeze. Are, they are. They're great. I mean, I think somebody should sell them as, uh, as stress relievers. And there's a, there's a graveyard for the, uh, for the used implants. They can be re-sterilized and repurposed. With that said, I gave him a 475cc high-profile gel implant. He said, this is a very big, this would give you, what, like a D or, you know, even a double D? And I said, well, it depends who you put it on. Because that's just an implant that's 475ccs. If it's on a woman who is six foot three and weighs, you know, 190 pounds, that might make a B cup or a C cup. But if you put it on a gal that is uh, five foot one and weighs 90 pounds, that's going to be some. That's, that's going to be, be some implant. implant. <laughs> so it, it's all said, very it's just relative. the implant. That's yeah. right, and that's why sizing up uh, your patient, their their goals, what they want uh, to get to, what the look they want, what their body type is, and one of the measurements that I use, and I'm not sure if you do this, but I always look at their back because chest walls are are a it's subjective off yeah. cylinder. It's not yeah. a cylinder. So like one side's always bigger than the other. One chest wall presents more than the other and so sometimes you have to use different implants to account for the chest wall shape that's true sometimes each side is a little bit different than the other and if you one. look at their back you can see their shoulder blades right. are off and one time a lot of times you'll see one shoulder blade is you know four or five centimeters lower than the other and then you start to to turn the the patient around and you start to recognize that the ribs are like not shaped properly and you know this is going to be a challenge to make the breast look similar and that's right. the whole idea and i think it's important too to know that i mean everyone's asymmetric some people to more degrees than other in terms of the size the shape the nipple position between one breast and the other totally. on any given patient and in breast augmentation, those asymmetries will become more pronounced. And I think it's important that the patients know that going into it. It's not just necessarily that the size will be different between the two, but one might have a nipple that's a little bit higher or a little bit lower at baseline, and they will notice that a little bit more once they're augmented. Oh, yeah. <laughs> once they aug- if you, once you have surgery, you look at everything. I mean, I know it myself. If you look at, you look at everything with like a... A microscope. True. And so all those asymmetries really become um, very relevant. Right, right. And so you have to kind of walk your patients through it. Otherwise, they, they get, you know, and it's not their fault. They just get so like, you know, uh, fastidious and, and hyper neurotic about sort right. of like, oh, my God, my nipples aren't the same. Like, they never were the same. Yeah. You just but, were not scrutinizing right. them that closely but before. Once surgery happens, and, and patients need to know that too, that they are going to look and they have to understand that they're not going to be totally symmetric. So... Managing those expectations 
huge part of doing that a is great breast augmentation. The key, I think, for everything, but definitely in breast augmentation, for sure. So uh, we talked a little bit about smooth versus textured on a previous podcast, yes. but I think we should cover it here just in case our listeners didn't hear that. But the uh, um, I've not used textured a whole lot. I guess you haven't either. I really don't use textures at all. Yeah, and now nobody wants to use them because Ooh. of the problems with right. uh, a very rare form of uh, breast cancer, uh, well, a lymphoma, basically, that yeah. occurs in a breast with textured implants. So um, I won't be using them. I, won't, I don't see a reason to ever go that direction, but um, I don't know. It, it, it's something that there were a lot of people that really love textured implants. It was the standard in New York. And I, I, there is a place for textured implants, and I think a lot of it has to do with the location. We haven't talked really about subpectoral or, or subglandular, which means above the muscle or under the muscle. But there is some thought that if you're putting it over the muscle, you should use a textured implant. Um, it does decrease slightly the risk of capsular contracture. But in the setting of the oh, ALCL, whoa, 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 whoa. you can't just say capsular, capsular contracture contractor, and like there, this, you know, <laughs> this words, is I'm not sorry. for this is not uh, your board examination, doctor. So you got to like <laughs> define capsular contracture capsular for our contracture. listeners. Capsular contracture. So every foreign body that goes into a patient is going to develop a capsule around it. It's the body's reaction to any foreign body it kind of tries to wall it off. Right. So every implant gets a capsule. It's a capsule. It's normal. And in general, 98.9% of the time, it's a very filmy, flimsy lining around the implant and doesn't cause any problems. In a small percentage of patients, that lining becomes very thick, sometimes calcified, and it can actually distort the shape of the breast and oh, yeah. or be very painful. So that's called capsular contracture. It was more common many years ago for, for many different reasons. We have a better understanding now of what causes it. But for Implants that are placed over the muscle, under the breast gland, uh, there's a little bit higher risk of capsular contracture. And it's thought that the textured implants decrease that risk somewhat. So that would be That the was place why people were using for it so much. It. Yeah. Um, and, but now I think you sort of have to weigh that benefit with the very small but concerning risk of this ALCL. No, thank you. I won't be. I won't be switching. I haven't put them in before, and I'm not going to switch. Uh, I probably only put in one or two pairs my whole career, um, but you know, I, I think you know it's something. It's something to be aware of. Um, that uh, where we place the implants, subpectoral, subglandular, subfascial, will be the subject of another podcast to be determined. Right. So for now, this is uh, the Beverly Hills plastic surgery podcast signing off from Beverly Hills with Dr. Millicent Ravello and myself, Dr. Jay Calvert. The Beverly Hills plastic surgery podcast is brought to you by rock spa. This is Medi spa located both in Beverly Hills and Newport beach, providing services such as Botox fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. 
The phone number there is 949-644-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. If you'd like to get more information about our actual plastic surgery practices, you can take a look at my practice at drcalvert.com and Dr. Ravello. RovelloPlasticSurgery.com My phone number is 310-954-1355 or you can contact us directly through the website RovelloPlasticSurgery.com You can learn about my practice at DrCalvert.com and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800 and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.